It's that episode, not that episode, not that episode. It's that episode. It's that episode with Craig Rowan. Welcome to It's That Episode, the uh, podcast where I invite a guest over to my apartment. We watch any TV show they want, and we talk about it and a bunch of other crap. Today, my very special guest is Jay Chandrasekhar from uh, Broken Lizard. I hope I didn't butcher your last name. I'm sure at the beginning of every interview, people say that, and I feel like a dick. But um, I hope I didn't butcher it too much. You you uh, you got very close. Okay, okay. I I try to rush through it as quickly as possible. It's best to just say it quickly. It's best to say it quickly. Jay Savita. Um, so thank you so much for uh, joining the show. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, of your work. Um, thank you. I'm thank you. I'm not just saying that. Um, <laughs> I how could I tell? Uh, well, I could say that I've watched Super Troopers many a time, and in college, it was. Uh, an important movie to me. So, and then, oh, nice. and then I saw Club Dread in theaters during the day, and I might have skipped a class to do it, but I can't. Oh, good for you. You know that oh, that movie opened against the Passion of Christ, which I which I actually snuck into because I didn't want give uh, to give Mel Gibson any money for that. I still haven't seen that movie because it opened against us. I mean, that's <laughs> always. Always my viewpoint of movies that open against us. Even when I really want to see them, I'm like, oh, I really can't. I just well, can't ever. Mel Gibson ever. has some balls to open against you guys. That's And for such a controversial anti-Semitic film. Um, well, that, that and, and it was in Aramaic, right? Yes, so yes. We, uh, I remember I went into the president of, uh, of Fox Searchlights, uh, the marketing head, her office, and we were and we were like, well, so what are we up against? And she goes, oh God, come on! It's an Aramaic. It's about the Christ story. We're gonna smoke it. And uh, by Wednesday, we realized that that prophecy was not going to come true. That's so funny. It's also, I think, when I first heard about that film, they were like, there aren't going to be subtitles. I feel like that's the first rumor that I heard, yeah. which is unbelievable. Which would have been amazing if they actually did that. Well, I saw his his uh, film Apocalypto. Um, which, as usual, look, say what you want about Mel Gibson, and I will say he's an anti-Semite. <laughs> uh, but, God, if he is not maybe our best filmmaker out there. Well, I mean, wow, he's amazing. Wow. You know, well, him and, him and Quentin and, and Fincher, I, I think, uh, but, I mean, he's right up there. Wow. You know, he's, he's an amazing, like, the Puma chase in Apocalypto is stunning. Well, I'll have to see it. I actually have not seen that. But I do know in... This is so stupid. Why am I talking about that? But in the trailer for Apocalypto, there's one frame where he's like hanging. What, what, I don't know who he filmed it with. Like it's like a tribe, right? Of some sort. Yeah. And it's yeah. if you look, if you pause on one frame, it's him with like a thick beard, just like hanging out with those guys. It's really funny. Ah. It's really weird. <laughs> so that's all I know about that. Um, but so getting to um, the TV aspect of the show, you chose to watch an episode of Arrested Development called Justice Is Blind, which that's right. Not coincidentally, you directed. I did. Um, which is awesome. So this was from the first season of Arrested Development. Um, and you actually, I did a little more research. I watched the episode beforehand because I believe it was a two-part. Uh, there was like, it was a sort of a two-parter. It was with um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus playing Maggie Lizer, who was a uh, um, a lawyer who was pitted against the Bluth family. And she's blind quote unquote and uh spoiler alert she's not blind but she's pretending to be and uh 
So how did you get involved with the rest of development? I mean, you obviously directed uh, the Broken Lizard uh, film, so I assume it sort of was like a nice segue. Well, I just want to say one thing about that name, Maggie Lizer. Um, you know, she is a, a, a lawyer who is pretending to be blind so that judges and juries will feel sympathetic towards her. Uh, but her her nickname for herself is Maggie Lizer, as in Maggie Lizer as Yes. It's, which I thought was quite, quite amazing. Yeah, it's a great, uh, a great uh, line by Will Arnett. Oh, no, she says that. But no, Will Arnett yeah. says, uh, l- lawyer is Latin for liar. That's what his yeah. line is, which is also great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lawyer is Latin for liar. Right? So um, he, uh, well, Mitch Hurwitz, who created the show and is the head writer, um, he, uh, well, the, the show was with Fox, uh, and and I had directed um, four episodes of a show called Undeclared, of course, yeah. which was uh, Jed Apatow's uh, college show. And, and the people on that show were Seth Rogen, Charlie <laughs> Hunnam, um, uh, Tim Sharp, and uh, uh, what was the other guy's name? Uh, Canadian kid. I can't remember. James, I'm so embarrassed. Was it James Earl Jones? No, James Earl Jones. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I did watch that show. It was a great show. Uh Anyway, so I, I did that show, and um, and so once you do a show for a network, they and you do if you do well for them, they kind of see you as like a, a working hammer, and then so then when they get another show, they're like, you you're on this show and this show, and so you end up you end up working on bunches of shows for one network, and so they called me in for this Arrested Development show, and I looked at the pilot, and they said, you know, we're big Super Troopers fans. What do you think of this show? And I said, well, here's. I think it looks like a really funny, well-written show. Here are, here are some ideas for how to like try a, a slightly different view on it. And, and ultimately, that, that's what you do as a director on new shows, right? You come into a new show, and, you, and they're, they're asking you to say, what's your version of the show? Not, you know, of, of course you're going to get their script, and their writers are going to work on it, and they're going to give you 15 drafts of it. And, but ultimately you're like, I want to execute it this way, and I think this is the hippest version of your show there is. Like, I, you know, I'm working on a show called Animal Practice now, sure, and it's yeah. new. Like we're not, everybody's like, we could try this, or we could try this, or maybe we should do it all handheld. And that was a similar moment in Arrested Development's history, and it was, it was exciting because you're like, we're not quite sure yet i mean we know this is going to be great we're just not sure exactly how it's going to the style is going to land and once the style lands say you come in the second year or third year you're more um executing a style that already works as a director right um but in any case whatever this was uh this was uh we you know we 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 I, the first one i did was called my mother the car mm-hmm. uh and that went well and then i ended up doing one called Beef Consomme, um, where the three brothers fight over this same girl, Marta. Right. Uh, uh, and then I ended up doing these two that were uh, were uh, to be continued with uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, which, you know, look, I'll be honest with you, I was like, holy shit, I'm going to work with Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I, I mean... I was going to ask that. I mean, I, I haven't watched the rest of Development in a while. I watched it all in like three days uh, when it came out on DVD. Uh, but... Th- Watching back, I was like, "This cast is so, it's so crazy." I mean, it is so unbelievable that every person in that cast is like killer. They're so killer. I mean, how is it like direct, directing these people that are sort of comedy gods? I mean, since since the show, some of them have gone on to even like bigger and b- 
like bigger stardom, but I mean, they're all like in their own right, amazing comedians. It was a, uh, you know, I know this sounds, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it sounds like, but it was, it was a very, like everybody was good. Like every writer was good. Every actor was good. The directors were all good. And we felt like we were doing, you know, frankly, we felt like we had the funniest show on television. But you did. The problem was the network was unable to convince the American public of that idea until much later, uh, which is the way it goes. I mean, you know, you can't just dump it on the marketing people. It just somehow America wasn't ready. Yeah, but, uh, but and hopefully they will be ready when Netflix is going to do a bunch. I just talked to the, the Netflix guys and they're they said the scripts are amazing. The shows are coming out great and. They've got. They built all the sets again over in Culver City, just to, you know where we used to shoot, and uh, I, I'm, I'm excited. That's amazing. Excited. So, are you are you going to be doing uh, an episode for or uh, no? You know, Mitch Mitch Hurwitz is now directing, okay. and uh, this other guy Troy Miller is doing the other. They're co-directing. Two of them are doing all of them together, uh, and then they're going to do a movie. That's so. It's amazing. I mean, the only in the internet age of Netflix and all that stuff can it happen. That's like it's like. I mean, people are going crazy on the internet. I don't need to say anything about it, but it's it's yeah, pretty incredible. And directing everybody was great. I mean, the younger actors, Dave Cross and uh, Arnett and Bateman, uh, Portia, they had all either seen or heard of Super Troopers. Mm-hmm. And so my uh, situation with them was easy and great. And, and, and the older actors, uh, like Jeffrey Tambor, uh, Liza Minnelli ha- ha- hadn't a fucking clue who I was <laughs> and frankly thought I looked too young to be doing this and gave me a hard time until the second day when they they had a sense, oh, he seems to know, have an opinion and know what he's doing. And then somebody would tell Tambor, oh, he made this movie. And then he was like, oh, OK. And then it, it's sort of how it is with older actors in Hollywood. They they really ride you on the first day to sort of test you and see where you are weak. Right. Uh, and then, and then eventually, it, it, they let you in, and you become friendly with them. And now, I mean, it, I mean, I worked with Tambor many times, and he was amazing. And and uh, the one, the one older actor who doesn't do that is Henry Winkler, who was also on that show. Uh, and uh, you know, I mean, God, it was, it was, it's, it's a show that though I shot it, I think ten years ago. Whenever I walk into a meeting on, in a television or film meeting, they're like, "What was the rest of development like?" I mean, it's one of these like. Like career changing shows, and and you know I only did four. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's like it's just one of those like TV shows for TV fans. It's just it's so deep. Like there's so many layers of of comedy, in it. and I have to ask. I mean, when I watched this episode yesterday, I had forgotten about it, but it was like probably one of the funniest scenes is when in the series when David Cross is hiding from Maggie as she's like. He's basically trying to steal papers, some files from her apartment, and she's pretending she's blind, doesn't want to give herself up, but is basically trying to, like, hit him out of the apartment. Her ability to see, however, was currently proving a disadvantage, as she couldn't reveal to the man she recognized as Tobias that she knew he was there without betraying her secret. Tobias was finding her an uncannily difficult blind girl to outmaneuver. Their game of cat and mouse continued. 
until Michael showed up to return justice. Oh, justice, what is it, boy? What is it? Is there some jackass in my bathrobe? It's physically some of the funniest comedy on TV I've seen. So I just, I mean, it was that just like let the camera roll and let David Cross do it and, and Julie Lee Dreyfus do their thing? Or was it? Well, I mean, it was certainly written into the script, um, but it was, it was written in a, in a somewhat shorter manner. And we just sort of discussed it and said, you know, Dave will be the cat burglar. Uh, and, and so all of that sort of, Pink Panther-esque kind of like tiptoeing and sneaking around. And uh, Julia will know that he's there because she can see yeah. him. And it was, it was, you know, you don't need, when you have two people who get the joke so implicitly, just, you know, a lot of the director, all, all he has to do is put the camera in the right place. Right. You know, I don't need to tell those guys how to be funny. Occasionally he'll say, oh, you could try this or... Or that might be a touch big or whatever. But, I mean, ultimately, you're, you're more playing coach in that, in that standpoint than, than really saying, hey, do it this way. Yeah, totally. Is it- they make choices that are, and they did make choices that are, you know, beautiful. Yeah, un- unbelievable. Um, is there a difference, you think? I mean, obviously, there has to be a difference. But in a lot of the movies you've directed, uh, um, you also starred in them. I mean, how, how does the balance go when you're like in, you know, in super troopers club dread, you, uh, uh, beer fest, you are in those as well. How does that differ for you? Well, you know, if you act and direct, you know, you ruin two perfectly great jobs. You know, I mean, they're, they're, uh, uh, I love, I love both, but doing them together, it makes, it makes it, 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 it adds a level of stress, and you can't ultimately watch your own performance. You can play it back, but if you play back every take of your performance, the crew's going to get really sick of you, right. and, uh, and the time is going to double. Yes. Uh, and so what I do is I have Kevin Heffernan, who played Farva and Landfill. He, he sits and watches my performance and, and gives me director notes. You know, you're, you need to smile here. You need, you're rushing this. Your accent's off, whatever it is, you know, and and, um, and in terms of the shots, you know, I'd, I'll design the shot with the DP and, you know, it, once you trust them technically to have it in focus, you know, what you do is you maybe you watch the first take. Yeah. And you go, uh, you know, move the camera a little faster. But to some degree, it's like you just got to shoot enough takes. You know, I, what I do now, and I learned this from Brian Cox, uh, and Paul Schneider, who's in this latest film I made, Baby Makers, they both give you a, a range of performance. So it, 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 uh, on a reading of every line, there's subtle, bigger, 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 to the point where you're like, it's a little too big. But they both said to me, they're like, you're going to love me in the edit room because you're going to think you know how you want that scene and you think you want it subtle and small. But then you're going to realize, ah, oh, we just need some energy. And there you're going to have a big take from me. And I said, oh, that's the way I'm going to do it now. So that's, I, I kind of, I will, I will, I'll pick a range of where all the, like, even the subtle and the big, they all feel right for the movie, and I'll just layer it through. That's awesome. A little bit of acting tip that I might have to use. Because I recently acted in something, and I just go big, 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 and then they'd say, get the fuck off the set. You're doing, <laughs> you're doing a terrible, terrible job. Um, 
actually acted. Something? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm gonna be in a an in a Adult Swim show that's coming out next year. Oh no. Nice. Um, I bet you're the only guy in the country who calls it adult. I know, dude. Everybody tells me that. Everybody, and I can't. Even when I th- try to think about it beforehand, I don't know what everybody else says. It's like I say super. I think I say Super Mario. What do you say, Super Mario? Uh, uh I, I'm okay with either actually. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I, I'm working with a French line producer on the show Animal Practice, and he says, uh, "Let's uh, shoot it in the cafeteria." <laughs> And you just say, you French piece of Please. shit. Get it. That's why we don't have French line producers. Yes. Uh, and that's why we eat Freedom Fries exclusively. That's right. Um, so you also, I mean, uh, Broken Lizard, which is uh, Super Troopers, Beer Fest, Club Dread, The Slammin' Salmon. I think I got all of them. Um, Puddle Cruiser. Oh, Puddle Cruiser, which I also have seen. Um, uh don't you think I like you now? Now you're like... Imp- I, I, I'm starting to think you might. Now you think like, oh, this isn't a real podcast. This is just a weirdo who got my Skype. And now he's... Um, um, but you- well, I notice you have nothing on the walls behind you. I mean, <laughs> oh, that's, this that, is, that's this is a storage locker. I'm- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, um, what's it called? I, I mean, you guys... I, I was in a, uh, in a comedy group in, in college and, you know... Uh, I still work with one of the uh, guys in the, from the comedy group, but you guys started in college together. How? I mean, how did you stay together for so long? You know, I feel like it's every college comedy group's dream of like, oh, let's stick together, let's do it, and then it's like, okay, no. But you guys, I mean, you guys really have. How do you think? What do you think's like the ingredient? Is it just everybody was really that passionate, or or that? I mean, what do you think? Uh, how do you think it worked out like that? We had just enough success with each thing we were doing to keep it going. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the formula. I mean, that and uh, committing deeply to learning the tools of the trade. And, I, and by that, I mean learn how to load a camera, learn how to shoot, learn how to light, learn how to edit, learn how to raise money, learn how to, you know, act, direct, you know, learn it all so that so that at no point in the chain do you have to hand it off to somebody and say, can you do this for me because I don't know what I'm doing. And that, that is true of shooting. I, I, I could not, um, I, I could probably figure out how to DP in a, in, in a, I mean, I've been around enough sets and stuff to sort of, I understand how they light. And I'm constantly talking to them about lighting, but I can't shoot something that I'm in, right? So I've given up on that. But the rest of it, I know how to do. I raise money. I uh, write scripts, I direct them, I act in them, I edit them. And then I, and now I'm involved in creating posters and trailers. So you're like, the closer you can come, and even particularly now in these days where the, the machines are cheaper, the closer you can come when, 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 when everybody, you take your script around, everyone says no, if you can go, fuck you, I'm going to make it anyway, the, the balance tips. Now when they call us up, they're like, we give them a script, and they're like, ah, shit, if we say no, it's still going to get made, isn't it? You're like, yeah, yeah, we're making it. And, and so then it's a question of do they want to make it or do they want to let someone else make it versus just no, we're not making mm. it. It's a subtle thing, but, but ultimately Hollywood doesn't need more funny people. You know, I mean, yeah, it's great to have new funny people, but we're not like sitting here on this side of the door dying for you other, other people to come in. We have our feet against the door. The way you get in is kick it in. And the way to kick it in is to write your own script 
Or if you can, make your own movie. Or be super hot and be in a viral hit somehow, and you're like, hell yeah. And you, yeah, I mean, I mean, sure. I know, I'm just, I'm just joking around, but yeah, but I mean. But yeah, but even, say you make a viral hit, you gotta have, you gotta have something that is commercially gonna feed the Hollywood machine. Like, you have to have a television show or a movie, and if it's not one of those, it doesn't make money in our business. I mean, I grant there are YouTube channels, and maybe, but you have to have a bunch of shorts. You have to look at this like a, like you're making chairs, you make a chair, you sell the chair. The, the show business is the same thing. You write a joke, you sell, tell the joke for money. You make a movie, you sell the movie. I mean, that's, that's it. You know, and hopefully what you like happens to fit within the business model. A lot of people make these great funny shorts and they bring them to town. They're like, what do you want to do next? You're like, I don't know, let's make another short. And everyone's like, shorts are irrelevant for us to make money. So you're going to make a, a feature or not? And they're like unprepared. Right. Right. You're sitting, you know, you're sitting there trying to make it be writing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's what, uh, like you see all these, I I feel like all these YouTube, um, like channels, which I guess they're for teenagers. So I don't really get why like YouTube Fred is hilarious to everybody. But, um, like a lot of those that are huge for a minute and then you're like, what happened to Tay And it's like, well, he didn't, uh, he did that song. That's what he does. He didn't do anything. He doesn't have the other element of it to like, cross over and make 15 movies or look at the 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 guys from workaholics oh my god so good yeah Yeah. i mean that's that's the perfect example of what we did we did that what they're doing right they got on tv yeah i mean they will be around because these guys know how to write funny stuff they know how to shoot it and they don't need me to tell them yes or no. Yeah, and I think it's that other element that comes through on their show and on your guys' stuff is like they know it, you can you like them as a group. Like you know, there's that chemistry. There's that thing that they think this is funny. Uh, they're they're yeah. funny together, and you want them to succeed. So you're like, this is even yeah. better than it would be if it was like three people that they just cast. It's like you know they've been doing this for years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it or not. They think it's funny. Yeah. Um, and when you have a little pack of people who think it's funny, then suddenly you feel like the nerd. <laughs> which I I am a nerd anyway, but so I'm, I'm a, I always sort of feel like that. Um, and you, so you guys, and you've sort of moved on to like now your new movie that's uh, the Baby Makers that just came out. You directed that movie, but you guys didn't write it. You, I think, you, did you produce that one as well? We produced it uh, along with uh, my friend Jason Blum, who produced the Paranormal movies, and he wanted to see if we could do something, uh, you know, on the cheap with a comedy. Mm-hmm. So I, we, we pulled this movie out of Warner Brothers for where it was, and uh, Kevin and I developed it, uh, Kevin Heffernan and I, and, uh, you know, we had the writers do about 10, 10, 15 drafts and made it into something that we loved. It was already great, but we just made it into our voice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's we didn't write it. We just we wrote a lot of jokes. We we crafted it with the writers. Right. Um, so it'll feel like our movie. You know, it'll feel like it. Even it's not going to feel like a totally different thing. How would you describe your guys' feel? If uh, I think we always say that we're willing to go where the joke mm-hmm. is. You know, it's like we never want to shock people but in private rooms where you're discussing things sometimes things get 
a little edgy sexually or racially or whatever, right? These are private rooms, and you can't necessarily, like, if you listen to a bunch of Republican, like, senators talk, they're probably making racist jokes. Yes, yes. And worse, 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 they're probably funny jokes, <laughs> right? And, and, and so we have our own private jokes that are, honestly, they're not, we don't have, like, a big racial thing in our group. But, but we're try, what we're trying to do is give you a sense of that room on, and if it means that, you know, we show Kevin Heffernan's dick when he's covered in powdered sugar, well, that's because we thought that was the funniest version of that joke. Right. Yeah. If you're shocked by it, okay, I get it. But if you were in the room with us, you would love it, and we're trying to give you that sort of vibe. Yeah, well, I feel like in a lot of things, it's uh, when comedies get bigger and bigger, it's like uh, the funniest thing in the room doesn't always get made because it's like, well, we can't, we can't really do that. That wouldn't be... That you know, and I feel like you guys don't have that filter. I think that's a great way to put it. That's like a really smart way to put it that you are willing to go where the joke is. Yeah, I mean, in a PG thirteen film, you literally can't really do that, and the reason is because if you have kids and you take them to a movie and it says PG thirteen, you would don't want to see a set of tits as a parent or hear the word butt fuck or whatever right. it is, right? I mean, these things matter to parents and they matter for a reason right i mean if a kid sneaks off and sees a movie like we did with animal house and all those movies all right what are you gonna do about that (laughs) not much you can do about it right but the ratings are there for a reason and i'm i'm totally willing to abide by them but we make r-rated movies right and uh and so the expectation is you're gonna get closer to what it's like with your friends saying you know honest body Funny, whatever was funny. We're not trying to be body. We're trying to be smart. Yeah, well, and you, you, you succeeded. I, I, I mean, I think that's awesome. I think, and R-rated comedies are where it's at. This is R-rated, so fuck everything else. Um, <laughs> I, I have to ask because um, Michael Clark Duncan passed away this past week, and you guys yeah. worked with him on uh, the Slam and Salmon. If you have any. Uh, recollections or stories of, of about him, uh, R.I.P. That you know that well, look, that experience. He was he's such a physically he was such a physically imposing guy. I mean he was six five three hundred pounds. I mean he was he was a massive massive man. It's particularly in Hollywood when you don't run into guys that big very often, and so. He was funny about using his height and physicality with you, too, because he, he knew. He knew that, that he was physically intimidating. He was a very nice guy, but he would say to you, he goes, if I were to attack you, could you defend yourself? <laughs> and you'd say, yeah, yeah, it's funny, it's funny. And he goes, answer the question, right? And he would not smile, <laughs> and he would not back off until you said, Mike, I... I could not defend myself, and you are a bigger man than me. And he goes, yeah. That's the, defini- and, and, the definition of asserting dominance. And then he would laugh, <laughs> and you're like, you're laughing, but you, you just dominated You just me. basically he, said you could murder me, no problem. <laughs> but the truth is, we were both thinking it. <laughs> I mean, we were thinking it. Oh, man, that's amazing. Um, 
I know you're a busy man. I have two. I have two more questions for you. Uh, one is I have to ask, uh, but I've heard rumors of the of Super Troopers too. Um, true, false, yes, no slash plot points. True, false, yes, no. Mm-hmm. Yes, all of those. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, we've written twelve drafts of the script. We've shown it to Fox. They love it. They would like to make it. There is a legal issue that we're working on settling on the first movie. Uh, assuming that gets settled and we're both still happy with each other and they want to, we'll make the movie. That's great. Well, I, I hope. Uh, but who knows? Plot points, uh, we won't give away. Okay. What if I said pretty, please? No. Um, <laughs> yeah. We are, we are also writing... Uh, <laughs> Podfest. Oh, nice. Uh, so same characters as Beerfest, or just completely? Uh... We've decided to go same characters. Oh, awesome! Uh, yeah. Great. I was talking to my friend recently about that movie. I forget uh, Kevin's character's name in the movie, but when he dies, and then and yeah, and his brother comes in right in, fills the spot, knows the exact plot. That's like the an insanely hilarious joke. So Thank so you. funny. Um, and my other thing is, I'm a huge Jackass fan. Um, saw jackass all three in the film uh, in the theater you were part of probably the best prank in the history of jackass and maybe the universe um which was you were part of the taxi cab terrorist uh yeah uh, prank um and if if a listener hasn't seen that then you're missing out but what was that experience like well knoxville and i became friends from uh shooting dukes of hazard and uh and we just, you know, we, we were down there for about four or five months, and we probably went out every single night and had a ball, became close, and then whatever, the movie ended. And then he called me up and he said, would you, would you come on over? I've got a, a gag I want you to do. And so I went there to his house, and Spike Jones was there. It was, on, it was the morning of the gag. And we, you know, we debated whether I should wear, like, an Indian headdress, and they're like, no, nah, no. Nah. We want him to be. We want you to be neutral, really. We want you to be just some dude, just some Indian cab driver, who's American. I said, should I have an accent? They're like, no, nah, just, just do your thing. Just be straight and get him riled up. And and then eventually, what we want you to do is is basically pull into this this sort of you know uh, alley, punch him in the face. <laughs> And jump out of the car, drag him out of the car, and point a fake gun at him, and, and get get in the trunk. And he's he's dressed as a terrorist. The whole gag is he's dressed as a terrorist, and he wants you to drive yeah. him. He and it's obvious, and he wants you to drive him to the airport, and you take it as wants, serious as possible. Yeah, he wants me to go take him to Burbank Airport, and he's got a and he keeps joking about blowing up the plane, <laughs> and I, and I'm supposed to get angry at him, and basically decide to do a citizen's arrest, and and he thinks he's going to get to the airport. <laughs> By the way, if he got to Burbank Airport, he would have been shot. <laughs> like, there's no doubt. And he should have been shot. And by the way, I was not going near Burbank Airport with him in the back of the car. No way. <laughs> uh, but it, it was exciting. I mean, it all... Uh, I, I, they decided the last minute they wanted me to bitch slap him instead of punch him. And I was grateful. I, I would have done whatever. I'm an actor. But um, uh, it, was, it went so beautifully. It went so beautifully, people are like, is that real? <sighs> And uh, I have to tell you, every bit of it was real, including 
uh, the realization that he had all of our pubes on his oh face. Oh, my God. I totally forgot that. And that's the best. That's just like the- and, and he vomits. Yes. And he throws up. And you're like, that's got to be the best ending to a gag I've ever it's seen. It's like to a- vomit? as if being afraid for your life isn't enough after the whole thing's over he learns that his fake beard is all pubes that's like the most unnecessarily well, hilarious it's i think that's the artistry of knoxville uh, and spike and and dimitri and and all those guys you know it's like it's like they're they're uh performance artists and i know that sounds like highfalutin but they're into actually they're into like graffiti artists and they're into performance art and they're into the specificity of the joke and the camera move and the art direction like it all matters to them and so this last touch is just i mean it, it, it's just it's art. it's unbelievable well they are the best I, f- I saw the 3d and uh the third one in the theater and it's the best 3d i've ever seen when there's like a shaking dildo going towards the camera okay. it's like it's the most beautiful 3D. I mean, it's and that's insane that it's like that's what it is. It's a dildo flying and a camera. I, I loved, I loved Avatar, and until Jackass three, <laughs> Avatar was the top 3D movie I'd ever seen. And I don't like 3D at all. Jackass three is what 3D was absolutely. Meant to be. They they don't pull punch. That's like the reason it was invented. It's so great. Yeah. Um, well, I appreciate your time so much, Jay. I, uh, as I said, I'm a fan, and I'm glad you could come talk about um, talk about all this uh, stuff with me. I really appreciate it. And uh, do you want to say anything else about uh, the Baby Makers? Uh, 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 yeah, the Baby Makers uh, comes out on DVD on the 18th of September. Uh, you can get it on iTunes or on demand right now. Uh, it's me, Paul Schneider, uh, who was in Parks and Rec and a bunch of other movies. Olivia Munn, uh, Kevin Heffernan from uh, who played Farva and Landfell. It is a you know it is a big wild funny movie with a relationship in the middle of it, and it's about a sperm bank heist. So if you love sperm and you love relationships, it's the it's the movie, and I th- I'd right. say ninety percent of men love both of those things. That's right. Um, well, thank you so much, Jay. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'd like to thank my guest, uh, Jay Chandrasekhar, for uh, stopping by via Skype to talk about all that awesome stuff. Uh, And thanks for listening. If you are a fan of the podcast, please head over to iTunes, 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 uh, and uh, give a review. I appreciate it. Um, And... uh, Check back next week. we got some kick-ass shows coming up in the next few weeks. And um, I think that's about it. If there was anything more, I would say it now, but there isn't. So I'm just going to – but because I have the microphone and I decided to talk, I'm going to just ramble on for about 20 more seconds without really any uh, substance. And that's that's what I decided to do. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give it about 15 more seconds now just to, 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 to just sort of finish it off uh, uh, as a uh, <laughs> as a podcast should. It should be about <laughs> the end uh, the, after the interview. It should be about one minute. And I've got four seconds left. Three, two – one. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great night and an early manana. Adios, amigos. Mm-hmm.